Jewish Money Matters, episode 258, Ask Yael. You're listening to Jewish Money Matters, the podcast where Jewish wisdom and spirituality meet your money and your business. Money is a means to serve God in this world with joy, to build a life that leaves an imprint way beyond our time in this world. I want you to discover the secrets to Jewish wealth, to gain practical and spiritual tools to break free from the shackles of financial worry, to design the joyful, rich life that your soul desires. Welcome to Jewish Money Matters. I'm Yael Trush, and I'm so glad you're here. You're listening to Jewish Money Matters. I'm Yael Trush, your host. Welcome to the show. I am back with an Ask Yael episode Friday, June 24th, 2022, the 25th day of the month of Sivan. Last week and part of this week, I spent traveling with my daughters, my two daughters. It was a fabulous time, I have to say. And I was completely disconnected from work, which is hard for me to do. And it was amazing. So if you've been trying to reach me, oh, well, I'll get to you. In fact, I had some issues with my email. So perhaps um, whoever's been trying to email me, if they bounced back, I so apologize. But I guess it was meant to be it was God's sign that I had to really just unplug. Anyhow, I'm back. And I'm going to continue answering questions as I told you I would. I told you we had a lot of questions in the mailbag. But before we do that, let's head into the Apple Podcast review section. I forgot to do that last week. And I'm actually going to go into, I'm going to go do something different. I'm going to go into the Apple Podcast review section in another country. Yes, I just learned this a few months ago. Not sure if I told you this, but the Apple Podcast is sort of localized in that I, as a US-based user of the platform, can only see the reviews left from US-based listeners. And I had missed over these five years, I had missed a bunch of reviews from listeners from other parts of the world. So if you're listening from outside the US and if you've left a review, thank you. Thank you so much. I so appreciate it. And I'm so sorry that I don't have access to it or I have, I guess, limited access to it. I recently discovered how to get some of those reviews, but I haven't figured out how to get all of them. So please continue to do so, um, though. It really helps me. And if you just want to share with me a screenshot, email it to me or share it on DM on Instagram. I'll be more than happy to give you a huge shout out and also repost on Instagram. Be in touch. Tell me that you're listening from wherever you are in the world. Um, And I will definitely try to check for those um, reviews from time to time. And of course, give you a shout out here on on the show and give you a chance for us to connect for a 20 minute money session. You know, it's actually kind of a clunky process. You have to replace this US code and the URL for the podcast of another country code. But of course, Apple doesn't tell you which code that is and how they code each country. And some are pretty easy to guess, but others, I don't know, not so much like um, the one for Israel. I have yet to figure that out. I would have thought it was IL or IS. Well, not that's not it. So that's weird, Apple. In any event, if there are other podcast hosts out there who figured this Apple podcast review mystery and have tips on the matter, please reach out to me. In the meantime, this one, this one was pretty straightforward. It was Canada. That was CA. And this reviewer is LR from Montreal. LR Montreal. That's her name. And she says, inspirational. Yeah, Elle's interviews are my spiritual nutrition. I love that. That's a first and I love that. All right, she continues. I am so happy to get to listen to her podcast instead of wasting time on Facebook, etc. when I'm schlepping around. Thank you. Thank you. 
LR Montreal. I, I do realize that this is quite an old review. It's from 2019. But if you're still here, and I hope you are, and you're still listening, do reach out via email or DM on Instagram, yael at yaeltrush.com or at yaeltrush, and let's connect. And I do hope you still find this show worthwhile, even even if we've changed a bit of the focus of the content, you know, it's always a question on my mind and an interesting concern and one that I'd love to hear more feedback on. Um, so anyone out there who's been here over the years and has been through the transitions and wants to give me feedback, please do so. I really, really, I, I appreciate it. And you can do it again via review section on Apple Podcasts, or you can email me or DM me on Instagram. So LR Montreal, hopefully you're still here. Let's get together. It's obviously long overdue, three years. And the rest of you, US-based or wherever you are in the world, please leave those reviews. I'll be picking one of you and we'll have a chance to connect on the phone or on, on Zoom. Additionally, before we hit the mailbag, let me remind you that I'd love to put together an episode dedicated to the looming recession. <laughs> so please send in your questions, whatever is on your mind about the recession, whatever you'd like to know so we can tackle them here. And I promise I'm not going to make this boring. I mean, recession, like that sounds pretty boring. I'm not going to make this boring or and I'm not going to make it panicky either because I don't we don't need that. So let's talk. Send in those questions. You know where to find me. All right. Jumping into our first question, this question is from Anonymous, and it's a long one, so bear with me, okay? It's a good one, and it's complex and nuanced, and it's, you know, you might be in a similar situation. You may have found yourself in a similar situation, so, and if you, if you have, and you've, you've solved, you know, you've solved it in, in a different way than I approach it, please let me know. I would love to hear from you, but anyway, let's tackle Anonymous question. Let's help her out. She says, hi, Yael, my husband will be quitting his job today three days a week, and then he still has another job three days a week. Okay, so one of his jobs, he's he's leaving. We plan to use this time to build his own practice, which seems to have a lot of promise. We don't have a lot of savings to get through this time period. Being low on cash is scary for me. We have four kids and have had financial tight times, tight times when I was out of work while he was at school, etc. Any advice to get past the fear for this time? Practical considerations? We live, live pretty tightly now, one and a half bedroom apartment for a family of six, no backyard, no cars. Our neighborhood real estate costs are considered higher than other Jewish towns, and we can't afford a down payment here. We would want to move to a different community that has cheaper housing and tuition, one and a half to two hours drive from here, where my husband has more potential to start a thriving practice as there is more demand there. It would still be a leap. There would be some increased expenses, although lower mortgage or rent payments, we will have a need for two cars. Right now, we scrape by with public transportation. On the other hand, our living situation will be improved. You get more bang for your buck. Right now, our apartment is very unpleasant and does not suit our family's needs at all, which affects me and our family's function a lot. Question is, stay here and keep our living expenses low, live in an uncomfortable condition while my husband commutes to the other city half of the week, or make a jump for it, improve our life, be all in and figure it out as we go. He could even commute back to Brooklyn. Apparently, they're in Brooklyn three days a week in the meantime while he builds his practice to maintain some income. Can't decide if staying here is B, 
being responsible and wise or playing small and not allowing for opportunity to grow. If it gives you some sort of context, my mindset and habits are usually Dave Ramsey like being very conservative, budgeting, living with less. We do not have any credit card debt, but do not have three months savings. Additionally, with regards to my husband's practice, I'm worried about taking on a 500,000 business loan. People are saying that it's the only way to make money in this field, to have your own practice. And that's the only way to start one by taking loans, since most people don't have that money to invest when they're starting out. We still have $500,000 in student loans. It's seems very overwhelming, a big bite to take before making significant money. But I catch 22. Can't make significant money without taking the plunge. Not wrapping my mind around this. Can you please help? All right, Anonymous, there is so much to unpack here. Thank you for the question. It's a complex question. It's on lifestyle. It's taking financial leaps of faith. And there's also this business loan issue. I have a few things to say on this, as you probably guessed. All right. So number one, you say he's already quit one of his jobs in order to build his new practice because he was doing that the day that you wrote in. So now that that's done, you've taken the leap of faith. It's time to move forward. We're not looking back. And guess what we're doing? We're cranking up on the trust big time. You really need that right now, right? Because as you said, this is kind of a scary time. You're doing something scary. You just significantly reduced your income to do something bigger. And I'll tell you why. If, if, if you're feeling scared, imagine how he feels, right? So your husband is going to need you during this time of transition. And this is going to help you throughout your entire lives. But right now, he's going to need you to be strong and enthusiastic. And I highlight that word about this new stage. So the best thing that you can do for him, and obviously for yourself, is to build your trust in God. Because you building yourself up will give him the confidence, like he will feel you're strong and you're not panicky, right? And that's going to give him the confidence to keep going with this new practice, even though it's hard. All beginnings are hard, right? That's what our sages taught us. All beginnings are hard. So knowing that, that that's a fact and knowing that it always turns out okay, will help you, right? Really internalizing that and building your trust, but also knowing that this is exactly what you want to do in order to build something bigger and better for yourselves. Like you really have this bigger goal in mind. Therefore, the effort, when you know this and you're clear on this and you trust, then the effort that you're going to put in, because you're going to, you're putting on this effort, right? It's going to be enjoyable, in a way, right? It's going, there, there's a, there's a deeper why it's, it feels like, yes, there are some trade-offs, but they don't feel as burdensome or heavy. So keeping that long-term goal in mind is so important. You say that you've been through financially tight times before. So instead of allowing that to create fear in you, how about we allow it to inspire you? Allow it to be the evidence that you need that just like during those other times, you were, you ended up being fine. In fact, you will be fine this time. In fact, you will be more than fine because you have a really good why. You have a why you're doing this and you have a solid plan with your husband to develop his practice, which sounds like sounds like it's what he really wanted to do. That's why he took this, you know, decided to take this pay cut and leave the second job. It sounds like this is something that he worked in terms of taking on student loans for it. He really, it sounds like it's in full alignment with his talents and his passions, right? So you maybe you want to make a list or journal for a while about all the times in the past when things were difficult and how you were able to end up okay, how it turned out to be okay for you and how you know, 
all those times where you did see God's hand and, you know, God's providence revealed. So that's one thing to address just in general to give you like the confidence and the strength. Now, let's get a little practical on this regarding the move and the change in lifestyle. Before I tell you how I feel about this, I do want to I want to state a disclaimer or caveat my response with this. And that is that I'm not sure if adding the pressure of a move while he's transitioning from reduced income to getting his new clientele on his own is necessarily convenient, but I, I'm still not discounting this move. I really like the idea of this move. But what I want to say is that I, I'd be more concerned about that than about the financial piece, like making sure that, that, that you can, that you can both handle that transition. But if, um, if you can, and if a move is something that will not impact his ability to focus on growing his new practice, and as you say, it's very necessary because the quality of life you're leading is affecting you on different levels, then by all means, go for it. It will be worth the investment. You say being responsible and wise, but you know what? Staying in a situation that doesn't provide the quality of life that aligns with your values, it's not necessarily being responsible and wise. So... I'm not saying make a move that you can't afford, but I'm saying that maybe you can stretch yourself. Um, I'm saying that if the need is great, and it sounds like it is, and you have some savings to help you afford the move, plus you have pretty good skill sets in terms of managing, you've been managing, um, you know, you've been, you know how to live frugally, um, even if it's a stretch, and, and this is an important piece, you have the ability to generate income also, which sounds like he does, then I would give this move a lot of consideration. And I would ask myself the following questions. How quickly is he going to start bringing in clients in this practice? How fast can you get that going? Even if it's not perfect and with all the bells and whistles, remember that offers first need to be validated. Like you don't need it to be perfect to be solving others needs or others problems you need to be doing it and learning in the process so another question to consider are is are there ways you can you can also bring in income while you're both building this new life and in this new transition um in terms of the credit card wow good job keep it up it sounds like you're doing it sounds really like you're doing a lot better than you think <laughs> but let's move on um you know, maybe you will have to take on, I, I know that you don't like debt and, you know, I'm not one to advocate for it either, but there are times when maybe it's necessary. Will you be, will you maybe have to take some debt to make this move work? Perhaps, but you can take it responsibly. Again, I'm not advocating for it as a blank, you know, statement. I'm not telling you to do that, but maybe it might be that you might have to do that in order to achieve your bigger goal of lifestyle change and of building his practice. But again, I would really focus on the income generation. How fast can he start landing those new clients? That would be really my default. How can, you know, how can we do this? And you can, and you should keep being frugal and that will continue to help you both tremendously. But it sounds to me like it's really time to crank up the income generation, generating opportunities. You mentioned a $500,000 business loan to get his practice off the ground. I don't blame you for being concerned. Of course you should be concerned. That's a lot of money, which sounds like you can't afford just yet. Plus, 
who are these people who say this investment is necessary right now? And why does it have to be so complicated? Business is not complicated. Get scrappy and get creative. Help him do that. Help him have the courage to get scrappy and creative and focus on the fact that he's trying to serve a need and validate offers and customers. And don't listen to these people. Do not take on such a huge loan until you've proven that you actually have a practice and clients who are paying you to solve their problem. And I mean, let's add to that the fact that you say that between the both of you, you still have $500,000 in student loans, then you probably should not be looking at taking on a $500,000 business loan. Again, I can't understand where that huge number of business debt is coming from. I mean, I, I really can't. I would question this completely. In fact, I would discount it all together and I would move forward. Bootstrap, bootstrap, bootstrap. Get those clients. You need a lot less than you think to get going, helping other people solve their problems. And, you know, why, why is it that you think or that people are making you think that you can't make significant money without taking the plunge of this business loan. I mean, has he tried? What has he tried, right? So something about this just doesn't make sense, you know? Um, And there might be a belief here underlying that I'm not aware of, but that might sound something like making money is hard and has to be hard. And I encourage you obviously to explore that and question it. I don't know what he thinks or what his beliefs are, but you know, that might be something that uh, some of what's holding you back perhaps. Um, So let him focus on getting super clear on his client, what their pain point is, how to address that pain point and how he's going to solve it for them. You call it a practice, but really a practice is also a business and a business is serving. So think about think about it as how can I serve these humans who have this problem without having to invest $500,000 before I've even gotten any of them to pay me anything, right? So also don't worry about the student loans. I mean, it is what it is, right? It really, you know, you'll get to it eventually. Like most Americans, you'll just keep chipping at it until you get rid of it. But don't stress too much about it. Think about what's the best way you can start building this business or practice efficiently bootstrapping while taking care of your lifestyle adjustments so that you're all more comfortable and living in a place that is more pleasant for both of you and allows for him to also feel more creative and comfortable. You can rent in this new area and see and wait and see if that's exactly what you want. This is probably the best idea. I wouldn't say jump into a mortgage right now, especially the market's going to cool down eventually. Plus you want to try out the area. You're not ready financially. You, you need you, whatever savings you have, you probably need it just for this transition, right? So it's not necessarily the right time to jump into a mortgage, but yes, making the move and renting something, getting out of where you are. And can your husband build his practice from that new rental in the new area? You seem to, I think you said that that new area has demand for whatever he does. Also, in terms of the increased expense related to transportation, well, can you share one car? Um, Especially if he works from home at his new practice and he commutes to his other job only three days a week, I just want to say, I don't know if I've ever shared this with you guys, but I've been in Houston for 12 years and we've only owned one car for those 12 years. I know that's a rarity in America, but yeah, it works. We make it work and we've made it work. So it can work. So those are just a few ideas to consider. To sum up, I would really question this need for a $500,000 loan to build something. It makes zero business sense. You start first validating offers by getting paid for what you do, and then you invest in your business or practice to scale it further, but that's further down the line. In other words, 
You fly the plane while the engine is getting built. I would also ask myself, how can we get out of this neighborhood that we don't like and doesn't suit us as fast as possible, especially since it sounds like your livelihood is not tied to the neighborhood. One final suggestion is to get into regular money dates with your husband, but I wouldn't push this off too much because it really... It really is a time of transition for you guys. So it really is a time to start getting into really important conversations about money as you're in the midst of these changes, which are going to trigger a lot of uncertainty, you know, and a a lot of mindset stuff. And you want to just have systems and just be able to be able to communicate effectively and create different systems for dealing with the day-to-day finances effectively and touching base with each each other regularly, very regularly, not when kids are around though. You know the drill, I think. But if you don't, you can see my guide for tips. It's actually, I've updated it recently. So check it out at yaeltrush.com forward slash money date and keep me posted. Thank you so much for the question. All right, question number two, also from Anonymous. We have a lot of Anonymous questions this week. When is it okay to take out loans? or accept family offers to help or make plans relying on their offers? All right, two-part question, actually. Well, three-part. Let's uh, let's address it in two steps. When is the first step is, or the first question is, when is it okay to take out loans? Well, when you know that you can repay them and another very important component, that the return on your investment is going to be higher than the interest on the loan. I would think about that. Um, so you want to think about what is your, projected cash flow that, you know, you're going to be able to repay this loan. And also, why are you taking this loan? If it's something, it's there's a reason that you're investing in something that's going to produce a return on the investment, then you want to make sure that that is evidently something that's going to be higher than what you're going to pay in interest on the loan. And that's when a loan, the loan makes sense. Okay, now in terms of accepting family offers, which typically don't come with an interest, right? or make plans relying on those offers. Um, So like I said, not always, but typically these offers don't carry interest. And while they don't, they do carry a high emotional cost that needs to be taken into account. It's sort of like interest, right? So when is it okay? Well, the way I would look at this is when you've had a conversation with your spouse, I'm assuming that you're married, if it's not with your spouse, it's with yourself, an inner conversation, and then with the parties who are offering the loan. But hear me out here. Um, hear me out for a second, okay? So when you've had a conversation with your spouse about what exactly those offers mean in terms of repayment terms and in terms of the emotional strings attached. So you want to be very clear with yourself what those emotional strings are. What is that cost, that emotional cost, um, because you want to make sure that you're both okay with the financial strings and the emotional strings. And again, if you're not in a marriage, then you want to make sure that you're okay. This means that you will both have to have a conversation with those making the offer to understand what are the real terms of the offer. And in terms of the emotional strings, well, these are not always verbalized and thus will require that you and if you're married, your husband, have an honest conversation about what this would mean in terms of your relationship with with these family members, um, about your relationship as a couple. So with the family members, with your relationship with your spouse, and a third relationship, your relationship with self, your individual feelings about being the recipients of their kindness and their generosity and being tied to them in this way. So making this decision 
should take more than just like a quick conversation with your husband. Um, It's going to require you guys to delve a little bit deeper into, you know, again, what are the financial implications of the offer and what are the emotional implications of the offer in terms of relationship with self, relationship with your spouse and relationship with the people who are making the loan. So only both of you, or again, if you're not married, only yourself will know if this is the right decision for you when you've gotten really clear about what those terms are, what those conditions, what's the context here, and you've gotten really pretty open and vulnerable about it. So that's how I would approach it. I Sorry that I can't give you a, 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 an answer that's like, it's, it's right in these circumstances and it's not right in the, the, those circumstances because I can't. Obviously, I'm just not. So hopefully just this is the way I would approach the question and then you will know. So at least think, think about it in these terms and then hopefully that'll help you come up with the right decision for you. Keep me posted. Good luck with that. Okay, and our last question is also an anonymous question, and it's regarding the money date. As I said, I've updated the money date guide. You can grab it at yaeltrush.com forward slash money date. And her question is, regarding the money date, what if things are flying, they're very behind, very unorganized, very not thought out, very not planned, very bad place? Is there such a thing as catching up slash getting up to date slash getting to a good place? How? One money date a week for one hour is enough? Like things are technically time sensitive and technically can need much more than that. Great question. So appreciate it. Um, let me just, before I tackle the question in depth, let me just tell you and everybody else that now, right now a lot of things seem like big emergencies and they are, and it's because they haven't been tackled in an organized fashion. But as you progress in this process and you get used to having regular money dates and being very in, much in touch with your cash flow and how things operate, there will be less and less, almost to the point of no emergencies, meaning things that need to be tackled right now. You have to stop your work day, your parenting day, everything to do it right now. Most things eventually will be, oh yeah, of course. Yes, that's coming up. We need to deal with it this Sunday in our money date or this Monday, right? So just to give you some hope, to give you something to look forward to, this will not be the situation forever, okay? It's now, but it will it will sort itself out if you're committed to the process, okay? So that is to say that yes, one money date a week for one hour will be enough as long as you both commit to the process. And no, there won't be crises anymore. Um, every, most things, I mean, there, there might be something like, you know, your boiler broke or your air conditioner broke and oh, we need an immediate you know, kind of money conversation outside of our money date to solve this situation because it's 100 degrees in Texas and the air conditioner broke, for example, right? But for the most part, there won't be an emergencies. Now, how to tackle this right now? Because right now you're in this situation. So my first suggestion is, can you ask your husband for your first money date? Invite him to your first money date. Perhaps it's a better word, invite him. Letting him know that you'd like for us to sit and list all the many things that are pending with our finances and decide together which are priority and then together make a plan of action to tackle them and divide and conquer. In other words, you're not suggesting he's irresponsible. You're not saying, I feel like it's all a mess. You're offering to help the both of you get more organized so that these things are not out there untackled and hanging up in the air and you can both alleviate 
any internal pressure that this might be causing each of you or either of you, right? Now, this, where this might get a little tricky is that perhaps for him, this represents zero pressure. And he sees no need to do any of this, right? And so his reaction might be super triggering to you. Thus, what I suggest is that until you've both gotten vulnerable and shared why for you it's important, why for you it's so triggering, and then he shares why he's no not bothered, meaning he shares kind of like where he comes from, right? What, what is his story, right? Whatever his sentiments are, then you might hit a stalemate because you can't understand each other. So what I'm suggesting is that you need to be ready to also in that first invitation or in that first date, include vulnerable language, expressing your feelings with I statements, right? Like how you feel trying to being very clear that you're not suggesting it's his fault. You're not accusing. It's just the way you feel. Make it more about how you feel and why you think you feel a certain way, how you think maybe you can help the situation and how much you value. This is an important piece. How much you value and appreciate him and what he does for you and the family. In other words, if you want him to buy into this, he has to feel good about it. If he smells that this is about him not being a good provider or a good husband or messy or irresponsible or whatever thoughts he hears when you use language, which you might be using neutral language, but to him perhaps sounds triggering. Maybe it sounds like his mother nagging his father, for example, right? then it will be very difficult. So tread with a lot of wisdom and caution with the language you use. Eventually, you'll get to a point where you understand those stories, and then you'll be able to know what kind of language you need to use. But you have to be very smart here. And I'm not suggesting that you drop all these balls while you go through the process of getting clear on your money stories and on your values and understanding your current financial picture, all the things that I elaborate on inside my money date guide. What I'm suggesting is that you approach this as, okay, you know what? Like, let's get together because I want to help you. I want to help us. I feel like there's a lot of things that are up in the air and we probably should like work together to make this happen. I know it's a painful process and you know, but I'm here ready to help. Like make it like you're there for both of you, right? There's no anger. There's no accusation. Um, you got to be together, decide what are these things that need to be tended, tended, tended to. Like if the life insurance payment hasn't been made or if the mortgage hasn't been paid, please, one of you has to do that. And you better decide together who's going to do it or sit together and do it, right? While you're also working through the more emotional piece of this, which I give you in the money date guide. Um, so make it a point to, yes, go through the things that need to be taken care of and you will, you slowly but surely will. You'll make a lot of headway with this if you commit to the process. And it could be that right now, because there are a lot of things up in there, you might need two money dates a week, you know, in the next coming few coming weeks. And, it, you know, again, it's a temporary situation, right? And it's one hour each date, right? So you might need to meet on Sunday and agree to meet on Wednesday again to follow up to see if that call that needed to, to be made to the insurance company got made or if that payment went through, you know, whatever it might be, right? So it might be that you do that for a few times, but really it's temporarily because really your aim 
should be once a week, no more than one hour. And maybe you do need to work, maybe, I don't know, but maybe you do need to work with a money coach that can get you both started in the process and help keep you both accountable through it. All right. So good luck with that. Keep me posted. Try to make that invite. Try to have that beginning conversation. Get yourself started. Get yourself in a groove and keep me posted. And that's a wrap, ladies. Thank you to the three anonymous listeners for those wonderful questions. If you have questions on the looming recession that everybody's talking about, and don't we all (laughs) send those in and let's put together an episode for you just on that topic. I think if you send them by next Wednesday, the latest, we should be good to go. But so yeah, let's try to do that. Hope this was helpful. Thanks. The questions were amazing. You know, it's a little bit nuanced, but I hope it was helpful. And as always, let me know if you have any follow up questions or any new questions, be sure to leave a review and rating in the Apple podcast platform since really it is the best way to help the show grow and have Apple Podcasts recommend it to others looking for content on the platform. I will take another break from interviews on Monday. Uh, I like to slow down a little bit during the summer, especially during the time that I do have my kids here before they go away to sleepaway camp. I want to do stuff with my kids. So another little escapade in the plans. But hopefully I will come back Friday to keep going through your questions. As I said, there are a lot. I still have quite a few in the queue. So I'll get to them or hopefully by then we'll maybe we'll have produced that recession episode. Don't know. Depends on you. So send in those questions. Have a Shabbat Shalom.